1: Are you a new real estate investor still struggling to get that first deal, but just don't have the money to do it? Or are you a wholesaler? You've been getting those assignment fees, but you want to stay in some of those deals and you just haven't had the money to fund your deals? Or are you a seasoned real estate investor and you're just tired of hard money and you want to get some super low interest rates? Well, don't go anywhere. I'm getting ready to plug you into the money. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Real Estate Investing with Jay Conner, the Real Estate Podcast, Private Money Podcast. I want to welcome you. I'm Jay Conner, the Private Money Authority, your host here on the show. And if you're brand new to the show, we want to give you a very, very special welcome. Well, what in the world was I talking about a second ago on plugging you into the money? Well, you see, back in 2003, my wife, Carol Joy and I started investing in single family houses here in Eastern North Carolina. The first six years, we relied on local banks and mortgage companies and institutional money. And you know what? In January of 2009, we were cut off, lost our lines of credit, no way to fund our deals. I was introduced to this wonderful world of private money, and since that time, we have not missed out on a deal for not having the money. And when I say private money, I'm not talking hard money, I'm not talking brokers, I'm not talking institutional money. I'm talking about getting funding from individuals. Right now, we've got 46 individuals investing and funding our deals. We haven't missed out on our deals since 2009, and guess what? you can experience the very same thing and be in control of your real estate investing business. So what am I talking about? I got a free gift for you. I just released my brand new book, where to get the money now subtitle, how and where to get money for your real estate deals without relying on traditional hard money lenders. It hit number one on Amazon just a few short months ago. And so I want to send this book to you, just cover delivery i tell you how you can get this brand new book for free. Go to www.jayconner.com forward slash book. That's B-O-O-K. Again, jayconner.com forward slash book. And we'll get this book rushed right out to you. Again, the book is free. Just cover delivery. Well, if you've been tuning into the podcast, you know that I have amazing guests on the show and today is no different whatsoever. My dear friend, my fellow mastermind member is a veteran real estate investor, been doing this for a long, long time. I mean, he's been flipping, he's been wholesaling all the way back to the very same year that Carol Joy and I started back in 2003. And he's done almost a thousand deals, my lands. Well, the financial and time freedom that his real estate investing business created for him has allowed him to use his software background. Yes, his software background to develop what's called the Forefront CRM for real estate investors. In other words, how do you keep up with all those contacts? How do you keep up with the buyers and the sellers and everything that's going on? Well, he's going to be telling us about that because I tell you what, I was still totally paper until about four years ago, maybe as recent as three years ago. So, you know, you want to organize your life. My guest is going to get to helping you on that in just a second. He also hosts a podcast that's called Braver, B-R-A-V-E-R, which is devoted to being honest. Thank goodness to being honest about what's holding you back so that you can transition from doing everything in your business to having the business work for you. And I tell you that reminds me of what my dad taught me years ago. Make sure you get your business to where you're running it and it's not running you. So we're going to talk with my special guest right now about automation, organizing your business and one of the best CRMs for keeping up with y'all and your contacts which he developed and calls the Forefront CRM. With that, welcome to the show, my friend, Danny Johnson. How are you?
2: I'm uh, doing great. Thank you for having me on, Jay.
1: Absolutely, Danny. We're glad to have you. And tell everybody where you are speaking from today.
2: All right. Well, I'm in San Antonio, Texas. And yeah, I, I like you know that we both started 2003 and how you introduce me with... Uh, just, you know, that that you didn't just read the bio. <laughs> I like think you really, you really, you know, put it out there in a great way and made it sound a lot lot uh, more interesting. I was excited. I was like, who's he going to be talking with? But but it was actually me. So.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: absolutely, Danny. Well, you know, we are in a mastermind together and masterminds, being a, a member of a mastermind has just been such a huge part of my real estate investing business, I really started getting involved in masterminds right now. I'm in three <laughs> wow. masterminds. I uh, got involved back in 2009. And so, you know, when you hang around people that are, of you know, of like minds and you're helping each other in your business, it's, it's bound to grow, right?
2: Absolutely. I'm a part of two, been a part of probably six, I think. And, and, you know, my, you know, in my investing career, and it was a pivotal pivotal moment uh, in, in the first one that I joined where I was I was doing everything in the business. You know, my ex-wife and I were doing everything in our business, wearing all the hats. Um, I mean, we had contractors, we had an agent to sell properties, but beyond that, we did everything. And that was eight or nine years. And uh, it wasn't until I joined a mastermind and, and hung out with people that were doing, you know, operating the business, in a way that allowed them the time to actually work on the business more than they worked in the business. And, you know, having that firsthand uh, experience with people that were doing it showed that it was completely possible and and cut out a lot of time and headache and hassle and mistakes. So that was, yeah, that's great.
1: Well, I can certainly relate. I remember uh, I had been in the business from 2003 until about 2008, five years and, I came around the corner one night and there was my Carol Joyce sitting at the kitchen table crying with three different checkbooks in front of her. And that was at 10 o'clock at night. And um, she told me she couldn't handle it anymore. And mm-hmm. I learned right there that, you know, you can be making a million dollars a year and it doesn't really matter unless we are enjoying what the reason we got into real estate and that's uh, to enjoy the freedom that comes along with it. So yeah, it took me an entire year to really hone in and start automating my business. So I can definitely relate to your story, Danny.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I I did a I had a a book that I put out a while back called Flipping House Exposed. And that was 34 weeks in the life of my business where I documented every single lead that came in and you know, I, I basically week by week was breaking down what I spent on marketing, where I put did my marketing the leads that came in, all that kind of stuff. But the thing that came out of that was out of that 34 weeks, I generated 495 motivated seller leads. So these are qualified leads where people called or submitted on my website that they wanted an offer on their house. Guess how many of those I turned into a deal?
1: Probably less than you uh, would have desired.
2: (laughs) Right. I wouldn't bring it up, but yeah, it it was about 11 during that 34 weeks. And right. Yeah. So that's about one out of every 45. And so a lot of people, you know, got into this business after reading that book and were telling me it was so great. Cause it showed me it was a numbers game, but it wasn't until a little bit later that I realized when looking back, it was like, I was killing myself trying to have more success by doing more of the same thing that I had original success with. So it was okay when, you know, I was generating and doing maybe 20 to 30 deals a year it was, it was okay to, to be focused mainly on the lead generation, right? If I want to do more deals, I've got to get more leads. I mean, in my mind, that's, that's how it was. I don't have a business background. I wasn't structured in business. And, and looking back in hindsight, you know, it was, it was treating it like a hobby. You know, it really was just, Hey, I'm having fun. I'm doing that, which is great, but it comes at a price. And that price is that, that hamster wheel of, you know, having some success and trying to have more success by just doing more of the same thing without really dialing anything in, right? What's really your, looking at the numbers.
1: What's your conversion now compared to when you started?
2: Well, now I'm, I'm actually back to, you know, operating as a sole solopreneur with the, the real estate and just doing rental properties. But we did grow from, from that, we were doing everything and built a team and we got to the point with the team where we were getting about one out of every five, leads became a deal so
1: well that's that's different than one out of every 40 or 50 right
2: right right so looking back you know had we had the team had we had the business dialed in and this doesn't even require a team it really just dials you know requires somebody to know what's going on in their business and fix the parts that are broken because it wasn't so much the leads were a problem it was what we were doing once the leads came into our business Right. So
1: and uh, in addition to not only what you were uh, doing with them, but what you were not doing with them.
2: (laughs) That's probably the big. Yeah, that's the bigger, the bigger (laughs) issue. Right. So what what you know, what happened? What made the transition? You know, obviously the team helped because as a one man show. Taking the calls, going on appointments, uh, you know, scheduling contractors, checking on jobs. You get to where you're having a lot of appointments and meetings with different people. And when those motivated sellers are calling, if you can't take those calls right away, that's number one. That's a huge problem. Somebody has to live answer that call right away because that's truly motivated seller, the one that's saying, hey, just get over here. I wanted this thing done yesterday. I don't I'm just done. If you're not the first person that answers that call, whoever is, is getting the deal most likely. Right. Mm-hmm. And so. You know, having a way, no matter what you do, and I, I did this business three years part time while I was a software developer working for a defense contractor, where I couldn't even have my cell phone with me at my job. Um, I, I now it's been long enough, so I, you know I had it on vibrate, and if if it went off, I would run out into the stairwell and and return the call, you know, right away because I didn't want to miss out on those. So anyway, once you once you do that, make sure you're answering all those calls. You know, having those come in, what happens with the building of rapport, um, talking with that seller, listening to them, not just asking for all the details of the house and just being all about that and, and scheduling the appointment just being done. There's there's a lot that goes into building that rapport with the seller. Um, and, and most of my, almost all of my deals came from motivated seller, direct to seller marketing. I uh, just find that those were always the best deals and helped us actually get through that that market correction back in 07, 08, um, by by just going direct to seller, you know, and getting those great deals.
1: Well, since you bring it up, let's talk about it for a moment, because this is a really, really important point. And that is, um, in, in my experience over the years, there are five key components to a successful real estate investing business when it comes to, talking with and marketing to motivated sellers. And um, this podcast is about you. It's not about me. So I'm only going to talk about one. And that's, and you already said the word, and that is the word immediacy, immediacy. I mean, when, when a motivated seller, and of course we're talking about off market sellers, we're not talking about sellers or bank owned properties that are in the multiple listing service. Um, Of course, in this market, you can't rely on that anyway. But when that, uh, a call comes in, whether it's from a Google ad or it's direct mail, or it doesn't matter how you are getting the leads coming in. It's like the most important thing that could ever happen is for someone on the team, your acquisitionist, whoever to be talking to that person, like right away. And, you know, it's the age old argument do you take the calls live? You know, there, I mean, there's an argument for that. I mean, uh, do, you, do you have them go to an operating service and then you're like, go through the rigmarole of trying to get them back on the phone? So it's like, you know, so, you, so, so share, with, share with us your experience of like taking the call live. Like when you have like, a, if you're not doing it yourself, which I never recommend that to people, So if you have like an acquisitionist, do you have them like answering the phone live, like from when in the morning to when at night?
2: Right. So that's that's one of the the big things that made a huge difference. So we we had somebody come in as an acquisitions person to take that off my plate. And they did take the calls for a while because it, it made it also seamless for when somebody is answering the phone, they talk to somebody and then that's the same person that's coming to the house. So that's beneficial. As you grow, that's going to be to where it becomes a problem because that person is going on appointments and they can't take those calls while they're at an appointment. And we don't want them being, you know, feeling like, oh, I'm going to miss a call or a call came in. I missed it. I need to wrap this appointment up. You know, everything that we do, we spend so much time and energy looking at different marketing tactics, executing on those and do all of that stuff to get those calls in. And then to get to the appointment. So all of that stuff to that point is to be at that appointment. And if we're not spending the time that's required at that appointment, we're, we're wasting all the rest of it. Why are we doing anything else? Right? So our acquisitions people, it was spend as much time as you need to at each of these. Make sure that you've got at least two hours so that you can sit down on that gross couch or, or <laughs> you know, sometimes or or whatever it is and have a conversation with the seller because this is what this is all about it's really getting to the bottom of why they're selling, understanding their problem, and then showing them how we can help them. It's not just here's the offer. Do you want it? Come on, sell your house. You know, it's none of that stuff. So in uh, answering the calls, once you have that, you know, where you you re- have the ability to bring on that lead intake person, then that person should be somebody that's super friendly, that's easy to build rapport with. Um, that's really gonna, because that's the first person that they're going to interact with in your business, right? They're representing your business. And so if you can have somebody, uh, that doesn't even have to be in an office or anything like that, this could be your mother-in-law. This could be your aunt, you know, somebody that's just at home all day that can take these calls. It doesn't need to be the professional hire, you know, or anything like that. Just a part-time, I'm going to pay you per call that you take or something like that. And you train them up just to be friendly. I mean, that's all it really requires. Somebody that's super friendly, that's not going to just go down the list of questions, ask them, get them answered, and then get off the call. Because we want the person saying, wow, that person was, I, this company's great. Like this is, you know, I really liked that person I just talked to.
1: real quick y'all you guys already know that i don't run any ads on this and i don't sell anything and so the only ask i can ever ask of you guys is that you help me spread the word so we can help more real estate investors make more money feed their families and have the private money they need to fund their deals and the only way we can do that is if i ask you to rate and review and share this podcast So the single thing that I asked you to do is you can just leave a review. It'll take you 10 seconds or one type of the thumb. It would mean the absolute world to me. And more importantly, it may change the world of someone else. Well, you know, uh, you say building rapport. Building rapport is so important. Um, And people are gonna pick up on as to, you know, do you really care about what they've got going on? As you say, if they didn't have a problem, if there wasn't a problem with the property, if they didn't have a personal problem or both, we wouldn't be there, you know, looking to solve and help solve the problems. For example, uh, this past Friday I was at a seller's house, myself right here in Morehead city, North Carolina for two hours and 10 minutes. Myself hmm. personally, Most of the time that doesn't happen because I do even (laughs) with crazy times going on, I'm still traveling a lot or I've started traveling a lot, but something told me that I needed to go on this appointment. We're in a small market, only 40,000 people. We only do two to three deals a month, but the average profits are $70,000 each. So not to get into the details of that visit, but, I knew it was going to take an unrushed amount of time, unrushed. And when I'm visiting with a potential seller, I use a technique that I call awkward silence. Hmm. I I ask a question and I just let them talk. And when they sound like they're finished, I go, "Mm mm-hmm, and they talk more. And so, and I tell them right up front in the visit, I say, you know what? there's a good number of times I'm not able to help people. And the reason why is because every transaction I do, it's got to be a win for you. It's got to be a win for your husband. It's got to be a win for me. And so I go ahead and get the white elephant out of the room and just Mm -hmm. let them know I'm not here to high pressure you. I'm here to see what we can do to work together to make things happen. And so, you know, the, As you said, the establishing a rapport is very, very important. So let's get right into what your specialty is, Danny. And that's the CRM, keeping up with all the leads, right, uh, that you developed uh, from your background as a software developer. But before we jump into that, just tell us your background as to how you got into real estate.
2: Right. So I got into real estate. I was, you know, going through college to get my degree in computer science. My father started flipping houses. And when I was growing up, he was a contractor for a real estate investor. And so as a kid, I, w- I would go to the demos and I would have to you know, haul out the, the junk and all the stuff from the demos of the houses. So I got an early taste of that. But my father was a contractor at that time. So in college, he began being mentored by the person he had done a lot of contracting work for in the past. And. I just saw the joy and like, he, it's just like a whole new him. Like my father, it was just, I'd never seen him like this. He had always struggled in his life. He had always, you know, started in, in different businesses that didn't succeed. And, you know, we had to move year after year and sometimes getting evicted. And, you know, it was just a, a rough, rough time. And I've got, you know, three other siblings, but in college, it, you know, everything, it just all broke loose for him. Like he, he was just having so much fun talking about the deals he was doing driving around town, and I just felt this, this surge within me. It was like, oh, I want to do that, too. That's that's what I want to do. So I started part-time also uh, getting into the business. And he he works the small towns around San Antonio, and I worked in San Antonio. So the relationship was really, well, you go find out how you want to invest, whether that's fix and flip or rentals or whatever. You just go and learn what you want to learn. When you have an issue that you come against as you're taking action, call me. Right so it wasn't hand holding what do i do next kind of thing you know that that relationship was like a mentor relationship and then his mentor also was available to me too whenever i had questions which was great cuz it forced me to take action and and make mistakes and i tell people that one of the first i think it was the first contract that i did directly to with a motivated seller i signed the contract then i went to the title company and i was in the parking lot and i had to literally call my dad and say, what am I supposed to say when I bring this inside of here? I, I didn't even know that step of it, but you know, the beautiful thing was I was out there taking action, right? And even though I wasn't, you know, well-versed in all the different things from, from putting a deal under contract to getting it sold, I was taking action, that was the important thing. So was in the business part-time for three years. I was making good money as a software developer. It was really hard to leave that steady paycheck And uh, they let me go, thankfully. I guess they caught on to the fact that most of my day was spent, you know, on real estate investor forums and things like that. But anyway, they let me go and I became a full-time investor. And, uh, you know, my ex-wife and I ran that for eight or nine years alone. And then we started bringing on a team, which started with my brother-in-law. He was one of the first people to bring on. And uh, and we grew that team and learned a lot uh, after we joined the masterminds. And that's where we started really systematizing the business and uh, a great book called Traction by Gina Wickman, you know, really showed us how to operate the business like a true business.
1: Right. Well, you know, you, you just mentioned the phrase of uh, transitioning your business. So walk us through that process. Uh, How did you transition from like, you know, doing everything, wearing all the hats, to really building a true real estate investing business that was working for you instead of you working for it.
2: Sure. And I'll I'll tell you what I did first, really quick, so that people don't do what I did first because <laughs> it wasn't the right way to go about it. <laughs> so the first hires, you know, how it went down was, hey, yeah, sure, that'd be great. Yeah, come on in, and help us out. You know, you've been on a couple points appointments with me to to talk to sellers. And, uh, and they would come in and, and I would just say, well, shadow me for a week. That's how you're going to learn what you're supposed to do. Yeah, that was not the way to set somebody up for success. And so everything that I had learned over the years and doing the business eight or nine years, you know, wearing all the hats, that was all in my head. And I was expecting them by just shadowing me for a week to pick up on all of it. Right. So, it, you know, when it was time for me to not be there for them to go on the appointment, I was really they, they were really not set up to succeed. You know, to find and I was thinking, well, they'll find their own way like I did, right? Not not a good way to do it. So I don't recommend that. What I recommend is setting things up. There's a good a really good book called uh, Work the System that I forgot the author's name, but he talks about setting up your procedures, right? And I wish I had done this even before I planned on bringing people in, because there were so many times where I came up against a situation that I had solved before. But I don't I didn't remember how I solved it. And so I had to go back and spend all this time trying to figure out the right solution. Whereas if had I just documented what to do in this situation, I would have known. And the beautiful thing about when you do that is you realize a lot of times, even with the things that you do on a weekly or daily basis, is pretty inefficient. And when you document it out, you're like, whoa, what am I? Wow. I'm, and then you realize how much you're doing as well which will make you want to hire somebody to take a lot of that off your plate. So getting all of that documented, I use a a tool called Tetra, T-E-T-T-R-A. It's free. I think you get a free account and you can can document your procedures there. And then whenever you hire a team, they have a place to easily find all of those procedures. And then they have a way to communicate and update those so that they're living documents, they're, they're living processes. And so when you set those things up like that in a way... So when you bring somebody on, number one, they're going to have a lot more trust in your company you know, because you you don't want to be, you know, starting a job where you're feeling like everything is just, you know, shooting from the hip and nothing is structured at all. And, you know, the the job security might be in question. And so having all of that to bring somebody in to follow what you've uh, proven to work and then they can just pick it up and what that does is that truly does free you from having to interact as much because they have something to go off of, and they won't be calling you every you know hour or, or 30 minutes even asking you questions about things, making you question whether even hiring somebody was the right thing to do. because I found that I would get into situations where I would say, what am I doing? I just I can finish this faster than it would take to explain it to them. And you do not want to fall into that trap. And so documenting those processes, is, is absolutely critical. The next thing, yeah, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but the next thing is really having that system in place where everything in the business is in a, the data is there in a place that everybody on the team has access to. And even if you're a small team, even when it was my ex-wife and I, having that, that place where everything about the lead and the deal is right there in one place keeps everything so much more organized and, and less, communication needing to happen. I don't have to bug I didn't have to bug her to find out some situation about this deal because it's all right there in the system. right as far as you know and the things that you can do these days with what we've done with Forefront and, and several other systems out there, all the communication can be tracked uh, within the system. So not only do you have the lead information, the deal information for one of these properties, You also can have all of your communication that was ever had with them within that same record, right? So that you can see no matter who took the call, who sent the text, who received the text, it's all right there in a timeline. And uh, the beautiful thing about that is when you do that, you start to get into things that really help you also dial in your marketing because you can track. You get a different phone number per marketing channel, right? Or even campaign so that automatically everything's attributed properly and you know, it's really producing not just the leads, but the ones that become deals and then the profit you actually get from those deals per campaign. Cause if you're not tying all that stuff together and figuring that out, you know, how do you make decisions on where to, to put your marketing dollars?
1: Yeah. Well, I, so I love the, um, the way you got that set up. So in your CRM, uh, forefront, um, If you can get the phone numbers to track all the marketing from that same system, right?
2: We actually integrate right now with CallRail. Okay, I use
1: CallRail, but I have to like have someone. I have a VA that actually manually puts in the information, right? So it's really cool for you to have a CRM that you develop that CallRail actually communicates and it goes straight into your CRM, right? Right. And then the
2: text messages, everything gets routed through. So you can see and listen to those calls, listen to voicemails. Um, You know, that's a good way to stay on top of your team, right, too. If, If you're seeing that when you look at the KPI page and you're seeing that, hey, for some reason, we're having less appointments being set, even though our lead count is the same or better, what's going on? You can go into those records and listen to the calls. And, you know, there was a situation that we ran into where that happened and it turned out that our lead intake person taking the calls was making assumptions about the seller's motivation level. They had plenty of equity. They didn't owe much, but they were saying they're not motivated. So I didn't set the appointments like, well, when did you <laughs> when did you decide to start doing that? Like, that's completely against what we've trained, you know. So but something happened maybe where they got that, you know, somebody was angry or, or who knows. But you've got to be able to see that kind of thing in your business.
1: Well, what you you know you just asked you just told the story of by listening to the calls you're learning that oh my Lance what in the world is this person saying which reminds me of a um, very very important principle that I learned years ago and that is you cannot expect anything in your business that you cannot inspect mm. so you can't expect it unless you can inspect it and one way that you're inspecting is by actually being able to listen to those recorded calls that come in. Danny, let's go ahead and let folks know how they can learn about your uh, software, your CRM system on keeping up with all the leads.
2: Sure. So you can find out more at uh, ForefrontCRM.com. We've got it where there's a, a button to book a demo. Go ahead and do that if you're interested in finding out more and that way we can find out what you're looking for, what you're needing in your business, and then tailor that demo specifically to you to show you how it can actually help you with that, and show you all the cool features, everything that we have built, but not not spend a whole day running you through everything, but just showing you, you know, the pieces that make sense and matter for you and where you're at in your your investing business. Well, Danny,
1: you've got we've got uh, thousands of people listening to this show, so uh, on audio only. So I want to spell out for them forefrontcrm.com. So folks, that's www.com. F O R E for F O R E front F R O N T C R M dot com again www dot F O R E front F R O N T C R M dot Danny parting comments
2: sure yeah I think uh, I, I I like to to end these I've, I've been on a couple interviews but it's well, quite a few actually but the big thing that I'm seeing with with uh investors wanting to get to the next level, even if you've gotten to a good level, is this, this thing where we've, we've overcome some fears and got out of our comfort zone and got to the next level. But sometimes we don't realize when we get to another plateau and there's new fears that we're not acknowledging, right? And so taking a look at no matter where you're at in this business, if you are avoiding things and doing things that keep you in your comfort zone or even having false beliefs about you know, what's keeping you stuck, looking at that, accepting it, and then just looking at the next step. What is the next thing that you need to do? And just do that. Don't give it too much thought. Just do it and take action.
1: That's awesome. Danny, thank you so much for joining me here on the show today. I really appreciate your time, man. I know the audience has loved the information that you shared.
2: Thank you, Jay. Appreciate
1: it. All right. There you have it, folks. Another episode of Real Estate Investing with Jay Connor, the Private Money Academy podcast. Here's to taking your business to the next level and we'll be looking forward to seeing you right here on the next show.